1: so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Drivers who switch and save with Progressive
0: save over $700 on average and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the
1: future.
3: Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone because, you know, it's the future and everything is holograms now.
2: So switch to Progressive and save big
3: because those savings can add up in the future. Future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary.
1: The Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is the Player Rating Show. Joining me today is co host janice Janaeus, and our special guest we have joining us is Scott Trotter from Football. We will be discussing Scott's full player ratings against Brighton Hove Albion. Along with that analysis, my co host Yanis Janaeus will share his own ratings. We have much to get through in this episode of Cottage Talk, before I do anything, I want to look at my co host on first. Mr. Janaeus, how you doing?
2: I'm absolutely ducky. How are you doing, young Ross?
1: I am doing great here. It is Labor Day. It's Labor Day for you. So what better to do on Labor Day? Talk some form.
2: Damn bloody right. If you hear cat noises in the background, you know, it's my horrible little gray cat wanting lots of attention.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: He looks, like a, he looks like a West Ham supporter. Very depressed.
1: Oh, oh well. They should be depressed right now, the way that they're playing, my friend. And mm. thankfully, we're not West Ham. All right. Let's uh, bring on my special guest onto the show. Scott, welcome to Cottage Talk. Thank you for doing this with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, the first two episodes of the Player Rating Show, I just want to mention, was, was done by, uh, I guess you could say, a television star, Ryan O'Donovan from Football not London. But you are filling in for him. You actually did a great job filling in covering the match so let's get started before we do player ratings i thought a very interesting thing we could do is you've written a, a good amount of articles after the match let's start with what we learned this is what you wrote this is the article session's perfect teacher and premier league problems what we learned from brighton versus Fulham, and you have several talking points so let's start with the first one you walk us through and we'll comment on it the first one is entitled The Premier League punishes. I think I have an idea where you're going on that. (laughs) Share what you wrote. Yeah,
3: so the kind of idea behind that one is, you obviously have this massive cliche of being punished for mistakes in the Premier League that you wouldn't always be punished for in the Championship. Um, I think what was key, we obviously had the errors that led to goals and the early penalty in the game at the weekend. I think two of those, the penalties, the handball and the clumsy foul by Vietto. You would consider uh, things that would be punished in the championship as well, perhaps, with obviously the penalty. But I think that kind of pass out from Lenarchand to the first Brighton goal, um, obviously, that is all about how full on player they play out from the back. Right. I think those misplaced passes now would, the, the quality is higher. Um, Knockhart's run was penetrating, and Glenn Murray, who kind of Brighton, obviously, sort of bottom end of the table team, but they have Glen who's the uh, finisher. Um, those kind of mistakes are going to get put away, and that was proved on Saturday. And it was obviously fortunate from the aspect that Ben pulled off a good save yep. in the first half from the penalty that Fulham did come away with points in the end.
1: Okay, very good. Janice, yeah, no, so I want your thoughts on this uh, talking point from Scott. Obviously, uh, the Premier League is like this. They will punish your mistakes, and we saw that, unfortunately... Against Brighton and Hove Albion,
2: big time. Uh, Brighton aren't exactly Burton, are they? No. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, you, you can make you can make mistakes in the championship and get away with it, but half mistakes and you get punished, and um, and that's one of the big differences between the two divisions. It's a good learning curve for the players, um, but it's a tough one as well. Every point that you get in this division, you know, when you think that the benchmark is usually what thirty-eight to forty points to stay up. It doesn't sound too many in a 38 game season, but when you say, it, see how difficult this, this division is, and where the you know the margins for success are so very very small, you know you've almost got to play perfect in every game. And uh, on Saturday, we you know we were playing okay, but we were two goals up, but then two mistakes, and then that's the end of that.
1: Exactly, Anderson Scott. I want to go back to you because we talked about this on the post match, talking about specifically the first mistake by Lamar Sean. And uh, I was bringing up the topic of the style of play and we play one way it's to go forward. And I was trying to understand if this is also a product of the style of play and over a course of time, phone will probably have to learn from their mistakes with the style of play to adjust during game, maybe a little bit of game management. I want your thoughts on this because Fulham definitely play from the back, and uh, you have the, these situations. And Lamarchand, I am high on, but he made a mistake here. So, what are your thoughts about how the style of play might play a role, or is this just down to Lamarchand making a mistake? Um, I think ultimately
3: it kind of is a mistake in isolation, but I think it is the sort of thing that could possibly be repeated. But I don't think you kind of it will change much about the style. I think. Obviously, playing out through the back, through to the midfield, is part of Fulham's identity now. Right. And I think against Brighton, um, obviously, the defence gets a lot of sort of criticism for letting the goals in, but I think Fulham struggled to use possession in the way they usually do. Um, it didn't feel they ever had sort of control on the tempo of the game from the midfield. And I think perhaps not quite having the option that you used to there puts more pressure on the defenders to find those passes. And I think it it often happens um sort of with to go on a bit of a tangent the Liverpool match, Allison looked to pass out from the back but the option wasn't there, so then he gets caught falling over in the middle of a like Cruyff turn. Yep. Um I think it's kind of systemic in some ways, but it's about learning from these times where the Brightons aren't letting you play this kind of football as well as the top team. Right. So it's about adjusting to the quality of the Premier League as a whole. Um, rather than just the top teams, I think. So it's just learning to play when you've got more pressure from more players.
1: Right, and that's why I wanted to bring up this topic of how phone play and, and learning, how punishing the Premier League can be, and uh, and basically, what, like we're talking about, learning from your mistakes, and hopefully it doesn't repeat itself like we're talking about. I believe this is the second mistake Lemarchand has made, but that's okay. He's still learning the league, but hopefully... He can uh, learn from this again, from from what has been going wrong, because I think there are signs that he can be a very good player for Fulham, but this is something that uh, Savisa and his staff have to look at and obviously have to get better at. All right, the next uh, talking point you have is Shirla is the perfect Yokanovich player, and Sessignon can learn from him. And this is interesting because uh, I'm fascinated by Shurla coming in, and then, of course, you have the situation with Sessignon being dropped the last two matches, Vietto comes in so talk about what you wrote here
3: yeah well I think it's easy to forget when Scherler sort of leaves Dortmund um, on loan to Fulham for two years and I think you often think when the big teams get rid of players that they're sort of finished but he's a player like 27 played in the World Cup final he's I mean, obviously got a lot of quality um, You kind of a always speaks about players having personality being able to play quickly from the back passing move really quickly and I think what I've seen from Scherler so far is that he's always looking to move that ball quickly, whether it be driving forward or passing off and then movement. The thing that really impresses me is the intelligence of his runs. Um, whereas I think I know in the article that Session Young kind of like ghosts with his movement it's like very natural and all of a sudden he's popping up in the box. Everything about Scherler feels very deliberate. Um, I noticed for a while on Saturday he kind of took up a number 10 role to try and kind of get that ball a bit closer to the Mitrovic. And I think everything about him just kind of like Speaks quality at the moment. Um, obviously, this has ended up with Sessignon on the bench. Obviously, Yeto's um, came in, but yeah. I think Shayla's taken about left side role. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I think that sort of deliberate movement, knowing when to drop into a number 10 role, especially in that four-three-three, 3 3, without exposing the left back, is something that Sessignon can really learn from, particularly when you consider Shayla's work race kind of. I looked at his heat map, and it was just like stuck to that left wing from defence and attack, and Chan needed the help at the weekend because of all the problems knockout was posing.
1: Right. Okay, very interesting. Over to you, Yanis. Your thoughts on uh, what Scott had to write here and uh, his thoughts oh, that he just shared with us. What do you make of it? Well, um,
2: as, uh, Ryan is still a baby. I mean, we forget he's 18 years of age, and, and Andre Scherler brings an incredible experience uh, you know, not just in terms of you know, the clubs he's played for, obviously for the international team, as a World Cup winner, and um, one of the reasons that he may have been bought over from uh, or loaned over from Borussia Dortmund is because of Ryan Sessingham. Because if you look at the last couple of years, um, Schürrle's had you know a mixed reaction from the fans, but I've always maintained you don't become a bad player overnight. Sometimes it's about the fit. We found that out about with Mitro, obviously. And Sherla's been an absolute revelation for us. And, and um, you know, young players should always want to learn from better players, more experienced players that have been around the block a few times. And Sherla certainly has. And um, Sherla's work rate is absolutely outstanding. And um, it's proof positive, once again, that uh, this um, team is Slava's team. You know, if yes. you don't put the work in, if you don't make the right decisions, um, if you don't, you know, train hard, then you're not going to get in. And remember, we've still got players like, you know, Tim Ream waiting to come in as well. I won't mention Floyd Aite, just because I won't be bothered. But um, it, it's it's been uh, as big a revelation as it's been, surely coming in a, a long time, it's going really to um, really benefit Ryan. I totally agree. And, um, yeah, it's all po- to me, it's all positive. Um, Andre's made a really good start to the season.
1: He um, has, and... Um, uh... He really has, not I'm glad that uh, Scott wrote about this. That's why I've, one of the reasons why I wanted to start the show talking about it, because uh, I think it's a very interesting observation. All right, I'm going to bring Scott back on. Scott, Hello. What, I, what I just did is what we call a Goldman because I jumped ahead to a talking point <laughs> that you wrote before that, and that's this, because I, I do like your point here. This is what you wrote, the title, Draw Looks Better With Context. And I completely agree with you. You're talking about the fact that Brighton have not lost at home since January. This is something that you have to consider. But after the match, even though I predicted the score and I was happy before the match with a point, you have to feel a little disappointed that you dropped these two points. But if you look at Brighton, a lot of respect has to be given to how good Brighton are at home. That's why I think you wrote what you wrote. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, I think a lot of that, especially with that Man United result. But also not just how well Brighton play at home, but kind of Fulham weren't really on song either. And to kind of use those bits of quality that they now have in the team, through the likes of Seri, Sherlo, Mitrovic, they have the ability to come through those tough games. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing to take from it. I know again, jumping ahead, sort of a lot of people said my ratings are harsh, but I think there's a positive in the people not playing as well. But they, they were two nil up, which in one sense, it's bad because they do two two. but in one sense, shows the ability this team has to yes. pull through those moments that we find difficult.
1: That's a great point. Giannis, what are your thoughts about that? To put this draw in context, to look at what Brighton has done at home and, of course, full learning to play in the Premier League, your thoughts about what Scott wrote here?
2: Yeah, I mean, Chris Hewton, one of the most underrated managers in the division, you know, a player like Glenn Murray, when it's sort of 34 years of age and sort of experience he brings, I mean, you know, he's he's not exactly a quick player. He's evergreen, but lots of experience. They're very, if you look at them on paper, they look very functional. Yes. Um, Not spectacular, but they're a very, very organized team. They get
1: the job done, Giannis.
2: They get the job done. And to be fair to Slava, he's got, you know, he's got some time to work with these boys to see who his top, you know, who's starting 11 is going to be. And uh, he's not exactly going to play favorites. It's sort of, helps him in a sense that Kearney's out um the lineup um, because that gives another chance to another player but we have enough quality and it's about decision making as well but I mean hell look at um the penalty the second goal um the equalizing goal metro you know um only he knows why he handballed it but he's still what 23 24 still a baby you know, we young players make decisions. He is still a young player. He, he, you know, he'll never know why he did what he did. But these are the things you can learn from. And yeah. um, Chris Houghton has done, I think, a superb job with Brighton. And, um, you know, he's shown how organization and functionality can can achieve results. And uh, is a canny manager. And I don't see any reason why he's not going to be able to organize these troops. to. You know, there'll be games where we don't expect to get points where the way we're organized is going to mean we're going to get one, maybe three. And if we'd got three on Saturday, let's be honest, it would have been a fantastic result, sure. but one is still a creditable result. And the two goals we conceded are a bit daft, but they're lessons we can learn from.
1: And they're fixable mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That to me is is the biggest thing to look at. You can fix these issues that they're having. And they're what I would say growing pains possibly like, you, you know, again, we can even talk about the situation with Metro. You did a very good job, only he knows exactly what happened. I think he was thinking that it was going to come down his chest, and unfortunately he misjudged it, and it hit his bicep instead, and he makes a mistake, but it's something that he can learn from. And then, of course, the LeMarchand situation, certainly you can learn from moving forward, and uh, I think these are fixable problems. That's why it's okay to talk about them because I think they're viable, but I'm looking at it, and these are things that, I think if you don't fix them, then they can be even bigger issues, but they are fixable issues. So I'm glad that we're talking about them. All right, right back over to you, Scott. Final topic for you comes from, again, your article, which I actually really liked, called Still Learning the League. And this obviously makes sense because if you look at Fulham right now, they're new to the league. They're making mistakes. So there is room for growth and to fix their issues. But the one thing that I want to get your thoughts on – obviously I want you to talk about what you wrote, is we've been talking about Cottage Talk because you start this off talking about that he hasn't settled on a starting eleven. Well, here's my question to you. Is it possible that Savisa will be mixing and matching for a good portion of the season and playing to the opponent because now he has options? It's something that we've been talking a little bit about, or is this just him finding his starting 11 I'm curious, your view on this.
3: I think... It's a little bit of both at the moment. I think uh, we know that this international break is going to be crucial. He's um, spoken about working with the team as like a mini preseason, and I think that's going to be the perfect opportunity to sort of set up at least a sort of steady back five. Um, I think there needs to be some consistency there, particularly with playing out from the back. I think that's going to be really important for the yes. season going forward to get that cohesion and, and sort of managing how they move up the pitch and attack. I think um, Fosse Mensah, a sign I was kind of surprised from and there at the start of the season. He's kind of fitting in really well in that role. Um, I, I know on I didn't particularly feel like he kind of was marauding in the same way as Christie, but again I looked at the sort of heat maps after the match and his sort of average position was actually quite high up the pitch. So to be able to kind of work in that way where everything's very natural for the team I think is going to be really important Um in the forward line, I think we'll see a little bit of a difference. Um, I think rotation through there will probably be quite common. Um, I think Fuglius will have his team to where the matches he wants to win three points. I think they had quite a steady team last year for much of that run. But I think he will look to see kind of the likes of Session on in at times. Obviously, Sher was there. Um, and I think we'll see rotation through that, just in terms of managing the team, perhaps more sure. than anything. As opposed to dictating the opponent, I think we will see a strongest team when Fulham are targeting three points and nothing else. Um, But I think we'll see rotation through those lines if not.
1: Okay, excellent. Giannis, your thoughts on what Scott just shared there?
2: Uh, Yeah, bang on again. Horses for courses. Uh, I think uh, he'll put out the lineup that he thinks is best going to suit the opposition that we play. I think. when we're playing against the top six sides, he's going to set up a little bit more defensively to try and hold um, and just ask certain questions you know, of these teams to see if they, if they make adjustments or they panic. Um, I think we'll be more open at home. I think we'll be a little bit more defensive away. But I think that every team presents its, its different challenges. And, and um, you know, playing a team like Brighton, for example, is going to be very different from, let's say, trying to play in a team like Everton, yeah. It's going to be different playing a team like um, like Man City. So um, I think the best way to manage in the division, I I think, is, is probably to utilise a squad accordingly. Have your core players in there most games, but give your give your peripheral players a chance in other games as well because they'll have been sitting on the bench for a while. They'll be hungry. they hungry to compete and to play, and um, and to prove to the manager they should be there. In a, a, at the start, I like I like that sense of competition, but I think every game is going to be different, and that's why I think you might see a lot of chopping and changing in the, in the lineup.
1: Okay, excellent. Great take by both of you on uh, this topic and all the topics in uh, Scott's article, and that's a great way to just start this show because now we're going to go right into ratings. And Scott, before we go through your ratings, I'm going to read what you uh, wrote and your rating. Have you changed anything since then? Because, again, it's been a couple of days since the match, and uh, I know I've watched it back, and uh, some things have changed with me. And I know this is right after the match. Do you think you have any adjustments, or do you feel strong about everything that you wrote and your ratings?
3: Um, I feel fairly confident with most of them. I think the Anguisa one, when I started looking back at some of the stats, I don't think I perhaps gave him enough credit as – what he perhaps deserves. Well, I like, agree
1: with you the, on that. I was going to get to you on that. I agree with you on that, yeah. but that's fine.
3: Yeah, I think in the moment, I, I, it was one of those when you kind of look back on the match and I just didn't feel like he'd impacted it enough. Yeah. But then, like I so say, going back and look at the stats, it seemed like he did actually have quite a lot of possessions for Fulham and a lot of passes. Yeah. So without kind of seeing the 90 minutes back again, yeah. I think I, I might have went wrong in time there.
1: Okay, well, we'll talk about Angisa because I'm going to share uh, a key pass that he had to uh, as part of the goal. He he did, and I obviously until I watched it back a couple times, like, "Oh, he, he's part of that." Because it's in the moment, you don't really look yeah. at everyone, and then when I watched it back, it's like, okay, he was part of that whole movement. The pass that's got to Seri, and then Seri does the incredible pass. But that's why I wanted to ask you if there's anything you might adjust it. So feel free to if you need to. But let's start with Marcus cool. Bettinelli. This is what you wrote on your player ratings: Given Brighton's pressure, had surprisingly few saves to make, but I handled the corner in the 15th very well in a mass of bodies. Incredibly strong, save for from Brighton's penalty distribution. Put Fulham under pressure during the second half. I agree with you on that. You gave him a seven. Any other thoughts on your rating there?
3: No, actually, I think Marcus Bettinelli is a person that a lot of people like to see in goal, and I think he kind of Lived up to the hype quite a lot on Saturday. Um, It was very assured, apart from those passes in the second half, where I think because he knows how Slavisa likes to play, he kind of tries to play up to that a little bit. And I remember a couple of times, I think, putting out to sort of the fullbacks. It was perhaps a little unnecessary in terms of the amount of pressure they were under as soon as they received the ball. But I was quite
1: upset by Bernelli this weekend. Okay. Giannis, how about you? Thoughts on what Scott wrote and what's your rating?
2: Yeah, bang on. I mean, I'd have given him, I'd have given him a seven. Um, I, that that, that uh, penalty save was stupendous. Absolutely. Brilliant save and uh, came at the appropriate time. It, it, it's a sca- It's, um, it's a controversy that won't go away, though. You know, uh, Fabri, Rico or, or Betts. Betts is in right now, but you never know with Slava. Um, he's got a couple of weeks to sort some things out during the international break, which, by the way, I hate after only four oh, games. I'm there with Drives me absolutely insane, but um, you know, right now Betts is doing the he's doing the job, and I thought he was uh, I thought he did a good job in terms of marshaling everybody in front of him. So I'd have given him a seven.
1: Okay, excellent. All right, Scott, right back to you. Timothy fosu Mensa, Let me just say I'm very high on this player. This is what you wrote: a composed performance from the Dutchman with confidence beyond his years, fit in attack and defense, and you gave him a six. I just want to ask you one question when we go through this. I agree with the rating, but we talked about this on Cottage Talk on both full-time and also on the post-match show that, uh, again, I'm not there. Maybe you got a better view on this, but where was he on the first goal?
3: The first goal, this is one that I have seen back in. I think there's a debate to be had there whether it is, his responsibility or doy's responsibility yep. um, sort of in play I didn't notice it so much it just felt like a quick counter but um, I never quite felt that the distance between Foster Mentor and Adoy was close enough um, I think Adoy presumed that um, Foster Mentor was there and dealing with it and all of a sudden he's way across the left hand side of the pitch and I'm still not quite sure who I would lay the blame for there but okay. maybe a system thing um but yeah, I think on the whole, he's just a very composed character through his age. Uh, I was kind of quite high on perhaps due to Ryan's influence on Cyrus Christie's ability to step into that last Fredericks role and kind of replicate what Fredericks did last season. But like I say Fosu is just really impressive since he came in.
1: He has been, and it's funny because we do have Cyrus Christie, but I don't see how you can take out Timothy Fosu I think his upside is huge and uh, it's going to be very hard, I think, for Christy to get in. But we shall see. So Visa has been known to make changes, but I like what I've seen from Timothy Fosu-Mensa. I just thought it was necessary that, that we did talk about the whole first goal because I didn't see him, so I'm glad that you mentioned that. Giannis, over to you on Timothy Fosu-Mensa. Your thoughts and your rating.
2: <clears throat> um, a, um, a penny for Cyrus Christy's thoughts at the moment. I mean, second half of the season, he sat there behind Fredericks, by the way. Penny for Frederick's thoughts right now, <laughs> um, but he's, you know, Fosu-Mensah. I think was on loan at Palace. Yes, last year, and he got some mixed reviews, but he seems to fit in really well with the system here. And um, I, I probably give him a seven yesterday. Lots of runs down there right hand side gives us a, a completely different threat. Um, you know you. F- the thing that's going to worry teams about us is that we'll, we'll, try, we'll attack you from all angles, and uh, it's nice t- to see that you know the, the fullbacks like last year getting a chance of going forward, and uh, he's going to be a good player for Liverpool long term. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And uh, Christie's just going to have to fight to get playing time back in this lineup.
1: Okay, and just to mention, the uh, is Manchester United Yanis? So- oh, oh, sorry. That's okay. That was a Goldman for you. You know, we, that was we all make Definitely.
2: <laughs> definitely a Goldman. How dare you? there,
1: my I'll friend. Dare. All right. Back over to you, Scott. Let's talk about Alfie Mawson. And I want to mention you've written two articles about him, so feel free to talk a little bit about what you wrote. But this is what, what you wrote in your player ratings. This is what you said. The 24-year-old showed his strength from the first minute of the game as Brighton pressed but had a few loose passes as he settled back into the Premier League. Didn't look entirely up to pace, but showed promise, so you only gave him a five. So, your thoughts on Mawson, and feel free to share what you wrote as well. Like I mentioned, two articles about him.
3: Yeah, so Mawson, I thought, had, had a canny game. I don't think he showed everything he's able to do, and I think he will be a lot more of a intimidating. It's probably not the right word, but more of a presence in that full-and-back line as the season goes on. Um, to, took a quick look at his performance. I thought early doors looked a bit shaky with the passing, a um, few wayward, but beyond that, I think it was impeccable uh, for probably the 80 minutes after that. Um, he's a player I like quite a lot, and I mentioned his strength there, and he has this. I think he has an ability to take responsibility in the defence. Uh, I think I noted that he's got a lot of Tim Ream in him. Um, he's not frightened to kind of take control of things. And I think he's got a lot of ability with his feet as well, which is obviously a benefit in this full side. Right. Um, I say there was one moment from a corner where I think Brighton had had maybe three or four in a row, and the, the clearances were clumsy. Brighton weren't perhaps getting the shot on goal, but it just wasn't quite happening. I just remember him really hollering at the defence to kind of sort out what they were doing. And in sort of the sort of mixed zone afterwards, he then spoke about saying Fulham cannot continue to concede cheap goals like we've spoken about. And yep. he explicitly said, I will not allow it, which I think tells a lot of his character and leadership. how he sees his role in this team after just starting.
1: Yes. No, I, I agree with that. It really shows uh, leadership. That's what I was just saying there. I, again, that's why I'm glad that you wrote about that and had those quotes, because I think that's important to see someone that's going to be a leader in the back. It sounds like Mosson wants to be that guy. Janos, over to you. Thoughts on what Scott for a rating, what he wrote about, and your rating as well.
2: well? I'd probably give him a six. I think that he looked at, you know, some of his passes were a little bit loose. Remember, he's, trying, he's still trying to work his way back to 100% fitness. And you've also got to assess, you know, the effectiveness of the partnership with Dennis Adoy. I can't believe Dennis Adoy is still at the back in the middle, but it goes to show, you know, where we're at right now. Um, I love the fact that after the game, he talked about, you know, giving away sloppy goals. That's leadership, and we certainly need that. Uh, can't wait for Tim Ream to get back because he and Tim Ream could be a really formidable partnership in the, in the, in the centre-back center position. Um, you know, de, de facto, the first goal was preventable. Um, you know, it's a striker that's created that penalty, penalty vieto but the second goal, there's nothing you can do about that But just because it's just happened the way it is. It's one of those things. Um, but I love the fact that he's willing to step up to the plate, which is great. Gonna need that, and uh, I'll be really curious to see how he's gonna work with uh, Tim Ream when he comes back.
1: Okay, excellent. Scott, right back to you. Let's talk about Dennis Adoy because this one actually surprised me. I thought that we would see Lamar on back at center back, but he went with Adoy, and I thought Adoy played well. This is what you wrote played well under pressure to stifle of Brighton's opportunities. Decisive, even when carrying the ball off from the back, you gave him a six. Thoughts on Dennis Adoy?
3: Yeah, well, I think I haven't really got a lot to add to what I said in the ratings, but I, you just really impressed me with, with how decisive he was. I think that's a crucial part of being a defender, is making a decision and sticking with it, and that's where a lot of good defensive play comes from. I think, like you say, Adoy was probably sort of somebody you'd almost expect to be towards the bottom of the centre back uh, pecking oh. order, but so he was really impressive.
1: He was. Yeah, it's over to you. Do you agree with the rating? And uh, you just talked about Dennis Adoy This was a surprise for me.
2: Yeah, it's a very pleasant surprise. And, and I know the number of fans were going to say, well, um, really what should have happened here was that um, uh, maybe you could say, well, Lemachon plays in centre-back and Joe Bryan goes at left-back. And that's, I think, been one of the biggest talking points as to why LeMarchon was at left-back. But Adoy's done a solid job. there, got no complaints. Yep. And if he carries on playing like this, and even Tim Ream may have a bit of a problem getting back in.
1: Okay, excellent. All right. Right back to you, Scott. Let's talk about Maxime Lamarchand. Like I mentioned already, I expected him at center back. So to see him at left back, I know he can play it, but I think he's more of a center back was a little bit of a surprise because I thought Joe Bryan should have started. I'll just come out and said, I've said it in, on two shows, I think this is a mistake. I like... Maxine Lamarchand, I think he's going to be a solid player for Fulham. I just think that, for me, he's better at center back. But that's, again, I'll just keep saying that. But this is what you wrote about his performance. Had a solid performance until he gifted Anthony Narkhart the ball and the buildup to Glenn Murray's goal. You give him a five. And I just want to mention one other thing that I'm curious your thoughts on because we've we talked about this as well. You have one attacking fullback, and to Maxine well, Marchand, he can do it, but he's not Joe Bryant. He doesn't have that pace, and I don't think he's as good offensive as he is defensive. So, for me, this is where I thought Fulmer were a little bit imbalanced because I think you had one attacker from the fullback position and one that was more defensive. So, I thought we were a little bit wobbly. Here's your thoughts on that.
3: Well, I think... So Lomachenko, I think he's not obviously not the same fullback as Joe Bryan. He's not somebody who's got the pace to kind of yeah. get up that wing a lot. But what I do really like about him is sort of his ability to interchange passes really quickly with the midfield. Obviously, that didn't come off on Saturday quite so well. Yeah, but I think perhaps the thinking behind the selection was that form <laughs> were going to dominate possession um, and kind of camp Brighton in their own half a little bit. So perhaps that sort of in-behind full-back would have less of an influence and Le Marchand could pick his passes a little bit more um, because it didn't quite pan out like that. And I think Brighton set the tempo of the game, despite Fulham's possession. He came under a lot more pressure than what was maybe expected.
1: Okay, very interesting. Over to you, Janos. Your thoughts and your rating.
2: Well, that was... I mean, I really criticised Slava, but that was an error. Um, maybe... Maybe he thought that Joe Bryan needed a game out just to, to, to have a bit of a breather. Um, first few games have been challenging, and uh, he put Lamar on in, but that didn't that didn't seem to work. He looked more like Fernando Am- Amabieta than uh, Joe Bryan, to be honest. And um, it, it was it, you, you could see we were struggling on that left hand side. Um, I'm expecting after the uh, international break that Bryan will come back. I mean, he has played as a left back. And I can yep. understand Slava he has. Yeah, but I don't. Not not at this level. He's my. He's much more suited to being a centre back for me. And um, you know, sometimes players have to fix it themselves. They've got to figure it out themselves. And uh, it is such a huge jump. Um, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have dropped uh, Joe Bryan. Um, I, my ratings for him were, were a four. Um, okay. He struggled, and um, but again you know, we've got the international break coming up and Slava's talking about a mini a mini preseason camp, so hopefully he can yeah. get some stuff out of there.
1: Okay, excellent. Scott, right back to you real quick on what we're talking about here because uh, a theory on the last two shows has been that this was a tactical move to put Lamar, on because of his height, because of the uh, potential crosses in the box. I actually had someone tweet to me by the name of Sean Waller that he thought that was the reason Do you think that was the reason why he went with Le Marchand instead of Brian?
3: Um, I think that could certainly be something to do with it. Um, Fulham, particularly last season, was quite a short team, so he always felt like they were quite vulnerable at set pieces. So I think bringing that height in with Le Marchand, especially when Adoya's kind of not the largest defender as well, I, I think perhaps to counterbalance that, that could be potentially a reason.
1: Okay, excellent. All right, let's move on to one of my favorite players, Kevin McDonald. And uh, I'm curious your thoughts on Kevin. This is what you wrote. A man that usually makes his presence felt, but didn't do that quite enough in the opening period. More of his normal self in the second half. You gave him a four. So let's talk about Kevin McDonald in this match.
3: Yeah, I think the threat is perhaps because I also like him quite a lot. Um, so I hold him to quite a high standard. Yeah, um, I understand. I think, the thing that, I think the thing that kind of stood out, in the first half, especially, like I, say, I think the second half was a bit more normal service. Um, but in the first half, perhaps not just McDonald's, but as a midfield unit, um, Brighton just seemed to bypass them really easily, and it always felt like someone's back 4 under a lot of pressure. And I think because McDonald is that holding figure, he perhaps took the brunt of my criticism in that.
1: Okay, very good. Over to you, Yanis. Your thoughts about K-Mac in this match and your rating?
2: Yeah, he did get off to a bit of a slow start. I, I actually thought Zambo might have started this game, to be honest. Um, but um, You mean in that you know, role? Yeah, in that role. Yeah, I, I did. But, um, I mean, to be fair, yeah, he did have about a second half, got a few tackles in. Sometimes it's, it's, it's the pace of this division you've also got to get used to. You know, K-Mac is a, a bit of a juggernaut in the championship, but, the, the, you know, the, these Brighton players were pretty fluid. The passing was good. And uh, they didn't really give him, give him the chance to close, close down in the center of the park. That's why it took him about a half to, to get, really get going. But the uh, second half, I thought he was better. I, I, had him, I had him down for five and a half. It was an okay game. But it took him, it, you know, it was also a very warm day. Uh, it just took him some time to, to get acclimatized to uh, um, the conditions out there.
1: Okay, excellent. All right, let's move on to Jean-Michael Seri. And this is what Scott wrote and his rating. This is what he said. Had a chance to repeat last week's heroics in the early stages, but could only gently curl into Matt Ryan's hands. Slow start, but grew into the latter stages of the half and topped it off with a lovely assist for Sherla. Okay, Scott, I want to get your thoughts on Jean-Michael Serra. I actually saw a poll on Friends of Foam that gave him man of the match. Your thoughts on his performance.
3: Yeah, I think again, from setting the standard so high, it kind of dropped slightly from what he had performed. I think he just moves everywhere. I think obviously we hear a lot about Kande and how much of the pitch he covers. I think Surrey, in a more attacking fashion, does the same thing. He just seems to buzz about the pitch. And I think on Saturday, that was perhaps a little more limited than what had been in previous weeks. But he just pulled through and showed his class with that assist. And... That's what's going to be beneficial for them this season. Is they don't have to deliver in those big moments.
1: Okay, Giannis, over to you. Your thoughts on Sean Michael? Sorry.
2: Well, I give him a eight. I thought, but you know, he's just what have we stumbled upon here? What a, what a fantastic player he is! That goal, that setup, that chip for Schurrle's goal was just criminal. You know, he should go for a life sentence for that. Um, <laughs> he's going to be. The thing that's scary about him is he's going to get better as the season goes on. Yep. And if he carried play, carries on playing like this, um, the team that could have signed him last year may come in with a bid. I mean, he's been, he's been absolutely epic so far. Oh, that's
1: a concern. Yes. There's no question. Yeah. I mean, he
2: just, he's just, just what a, what a player. And, um, you know, even that, I mean, he, I'm delighted to see he got gold of the month nomination yep. of the weekend for that ridiculous goal against Burnley. And it really was. And the, the more games he plays in this division, the better he's going to become. And, um, you know, it's exciting to watch that. That chip was just, I think, of, there's nothing Brighton could have done about that. Absolutely. So, I mean, he excites me. He's one of these players that excites me every time he gets on the ball. And um,
1: You feel like something's really, going to happen.
2: Yeah, you don't always know something's going to happen, and that's probably the biggest compliment I can pay him.
1: Absolutely, and I just want to emphasize in case I did not already say this, but uh, Scott gave him a six. All right, let's move on to another player, and his name is Andre Frank Zambo And We've already talked about him at the top of the show. Scott, this is what you wrote. A lot is expected given the fee foam paid, but the midfielder found it tough to make an impression in the middle of the pitch as the cottager struggled to retain possession for most of the half. You gave him a four but you now say, under watching it back again, you feel a little bit differently about his performance.
3: Yeah, so like I say at the time, I really struggled to kind of feel his impression on the pitch. Like I said, about throwing this midfield in the first half, not sort of what we're used to a little bit. Um, so looking back, he did have a bigger role, um, obviously in the build-up to goal you mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, that pro- probably could go a bit higher but I think it's going to be one of those things that come over the season is that fee that someone paid him is probably going to get reflected, uh, oh. mentioned a lot in relation to his performance. I
1: agree. Well, let me ask you this, because we, we talked about this on the post-match show, that he does have some offensive qualities. And he was asked to do something a little bit different. He did it a little bit in the match prior, but he was pretty much asked to do a different role. So... When he's asked to do the defensive midfielder role that McDonald did, do you see him flourishing more in that role? I mean, I'm curious your view on how Silvisa can use him.
3: Yeah, well, I think everything I heard was that was the area he was going to kind of fit in for the team. Um, and especially perhaps bit stereotyp- typically when you look at his build, that look like the role he's kind of built for, um, quite a physical presence. I think, to me personally, I've not seen enough of them to kind of say where he's going to flourish in this team just yet. Okay. Um, but it's, it's exciting to have players, what you can pay these fees for, to see how they're yeah. going to fit in, the team, how they're going to benefit from them.
1: Totally agree. And I agree with your point that the fee is going to be mentioned over and over again. That, that's just a, a way of life when you uh, pay that amount. And, of course, the same yeah. thing with Sarri and whoever else. They pay money. It's, it's going to happen, and their players... <laughs> need to perform or, or they're going to keep hearing it so i i understand why that fee is going to be brought up uh, a great deal janice your thoughts on engisa yeah i mean you raised an interesting point about the
2: the fees i mean we when we think of disasters we look back you know steve marley cost right. metrogly, although you know I, I felt that metrogly was a, bit, a little bit unlucky but the nature of the beast was two natures of the beast number one it's not our money and number two you know, you're looking at I agree. market, market value, 27 million for Seri, People are going, what is going on here? But now, you know, he's worth twice that amount, maybe, you know, maybe more. So Angus is going to take a little bit of time. Uh, I see him going in as that, you know, that the, the, the prototypical central holding central midfielder role. That's where I see him. Yeah. And K-Mac being good competition, but I think the different players as well. And, um, I think the value of the depth of the squad that um, Slava has is again going back to horses for courses. He gets, for certain games he can put certain players in, and he's gonna. It, let's not forget this is going to take some time for him to adjust to the division as well as the, as well as the players. They scout, but they're not always going to get it right. Um, I, I'd be pretty 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 certain he will look back on Saturday for public consumption. he will say, well. We got the point, and yeah, we dropped two. But you know, he'll look back. Maybe he will second guess his decision to play Le Sean instead of instead of Joe Bryan. And that's part of the. Let me Gisa I think, um, will grow in his role, and K Mac, I think, is the perfect foil because he's someone who can always give you a really good shift at uh, shift sure. as well. I don't think Angisa had a bad game on Saturday. Um, you know, again, the, the scoreline doesn't say everything, but. um, I think he's certainly evolving in his role, and every game that he plays is going to be uh, is going to be good in terms of his um, development of his experience at this
1: level. Okay, and uh, I'm sorry. What, what rating did you give him, Yanis? I give him six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. Let's go to Andre Sher. I'll move a little bit quicker here, Scott. This is what you wrote: Work rate. Only 45 minutes have passed. The German provides a box-to-box impact, fulls most threatening player, confident and composed. Finish past Matt Ryan, limited impact in the second half, but movement continued to cause problems. You give him a seven. Anything else you'd like to add there?
3: No, I think a lot of what I said was earlier in that talking points piece. I, he just really impresses me with his ability, yeah. and movement isn't always sort of the most forward thing at people's minds, but it, it, he just impresses me with everything he does, really.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Do you think him coming to Fulham has been undervalued because of what had happened to him at Borussia Dortmund? Because I think Fulham are getting the player that maybe we saw at Chelsea.
3: Yeah, I think it's a different one. I know early doors and in preseason, obviously this is what it's for, but I felt like you kind of play really well for 45 minutes and then seem to drop off quite quickly. Um, he looks like he's getting over that sort of, whether it be a fitness issue or just bedding into the team issue. Seems to have got over that. And I say whether it's playing with these high-quality players in the Fulham side um, and having the confidence placed in him by you, kind of itch, that's allowing him to thrive. I don't know, but I think Fulham have got a bit of a coup into having him for two years. Um, yes. is a blessing at the minute, really.
1: Absolutely. Two-year loan. I mean, I think that's fantastic. That's great business in my mind. Giannis, over to you. Your thoughts on Andre and Give him a rating. I'm going to give him eight from from from
2: Saturday. I thought. I mean, you know, he was more effective in the first than he was in the second. I think the thing for him is, um, him leaving uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund was a late relief. This is a kid that looks happy playing again. He's happy happy to to be be here. Yeah, and he's having fun, and he's and you can see he's having fun. He's embracing. He's embracing the club. He's embracing the fans, and he's having fun playing again. And at the end of the day. Players, pl- players play to earn a living. But it's like everybody in their job. There's nothing more miserable than being in a job or in a place where you're miserable. I mean, it's, it's, we all go through it, We're, you know, where we, we want to get out, we want to change jobs. He's, you know, he was obviously not happy at Dortmund. He's come to Fulham and the shackles are off. He feels like, he look, you know, a, a new man. And it makes a huge difference. And um, that th- th- that wasn't an easy finish from that no. Serie on by any means, but it was a brilliant one. And um, it's turned out, the two-year loan has turned out to be an absolute bloody steal.
1: Oh, it so,
2: is. Um, you know, it's, um, he's a quality, quality player. And, and the one thing that I've really been pleased about is that the way that fans have warmed to him. Yep, Very, very, very quickly. He's become a, a cult favorite, which I think is great.
1: Okay. And, what rating would you give him, Giannis? Eight. Eight, okay. That was very good, yeah. All right. Scott, right back over to you. Let's talk about Luciano Vieto. I thought he was excellent. Well, maybe excellent. He was very good against Burnley. Not as good, obviously, against Brighton, Hove, Albion. You were uh, pretty hard on him. And I, I understand because uh, I actually have high expectations for him. This is what you wrote. A tough afternoon for the forward whose most memorable moment was giving away the penalty. Worked hard before being substituted in the second half. You gave him a three. Thoughts on what you wrote in your rating there. Any changes there? Do you still stick with that?
3: I think I probably still stick with it. I've not seen the full 90 minutes back, so maybe i would change my mind if I did see that. But he was a player I was really excited to go and see on Saturday, actually. It particularly with how he ended change with Sherlock, I was really looking forward to seeing that. But I think I've known a few times. It's about making an impression. And the only impression I was kind of left with him is that really clumsy tackle. Um, yeah. He worked hard to get back and, and defend, credit to him, but it was just a really naive tackle to make that I couldn't quite get my head around, and I've perhaps been brutal because of that.
1: Yeah. Well, he got taken advantage by uh, a crafty player in, uh, in Glenn Murray. Glenn Murray knew exactly what he was doing. I've I watched this back several times, and he basically forced the foul. So I, I want to give credit to Murray, but. Again, what you were talking about with Vieto, when you look at that, that was a, a costly mistake. So I kind of understand where you're going on that. Giannis, over to you. What, what are your thoughts on Luciano uh, Vieto, the rating for him from Scott and your own rating?
2: Yeah, he didn't have the best of games. I mean, I mean that challenge for the penalty was what I call a striker's tackle. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Len Murray is one of the most underrated players in the in He knew the what
1: league. he was doing on that, by the way.
2: Yeah, he's just a kenny old pro that knows – Knows the game and knows where to fall in certain positions, but he had a he did have a good game against Burnley, and um, you know it. Uh, every stadium is a little bit different; the looks are different. Um, bit of a mercy sub, I think, in the second half, but uh, he's going to come good. He's he, he he did surprise me against Burnley. I got to confess, really, really impressed, and uh, he'll come good again. I've got him down as a five. I think I might be being a bit generous there, but okay. uh, I'd say a five.
1: Okay. All right, Scott. Let's uh, finish up with Mitro. This is what you gave him. You gave him a four. You said left pretty isolated for the first 45 minutes, directed a hitter over the bar midway through, looked to find it tough going against Louis Dunk until he bundled him over, drove into the box, and scored at the second attempt. He handballed it for Brighton's second penalty, and you, like I mentioned, you gave him a four. Is part of your rating because of what he did? On, yeah. On
3: yeah, I think with Mitrovic, I was kind of sat there at the end of the match and I, I changed the number three or four times just trying to work out how to erase what happened on Saturday. Um, right. We kind of saw the best of him when he bundled Dunk over and the worst of him when he obviously raised his arm. Um, yep. Just a difficult thing to understand, really, because he didn't look under too much pressure. And by like saying, say I think it's just one of those lapses in judgment that happens. And because of what it cost for him, it had to impact his rate. Um, I think he had quite a tough afternoon anyway. Um, something if he kind of shut me up a little bit because of what he did for that goal, but just seconds before that, I just remember thinking that he's really struggled against the physical presence of Duncan. That physicality is not something you usually see struggle struggling. Um, sure. But obviously, he got the bit between his teeth and responded really well to that, which is always good to see, um, and kind of embarrassed Duncan a little bit on his return.
1: He did. That was... a. Uh... Very interesting, but I I see where you're going on uh, the rating going down because of uh, the mistake that he made that cost Fulham two points. It's called what it is, and I'm sure he feels horrible about it. I I also read your article where uh, it sounds like to me he's more interested in the team than himself. Is is that the impression you get about Mitro, Scott? Yeah, I
3: I think so. I think he's the kind of character that kind of – is always needed to feel wanted but at the same time that means he'll offer a lot for the people that want him as well um and i think that kind of character obviously scoring goals is what you want from because his, because his hold up players can be so important and perhaps his uh, morale can help lift the rest of the team i think that's what he's going to be focused on for a lot of this season um i'm not entirely convinced that he thought it was a handball the weekend um from what i've read elsewhere um which is interesting in itself. But obviously, when you're in the moment, perhaps you don't realize these things and you get a little leeway for the mistake because of that.
1: Yeah. What's interesting about this, and I'll share this, I've shared this on the last two shows, Kyle Martino on NBC Sports over here, he came out and said that he did not think it was a penalty, that he did not think it was the deliberate handball. He went through the whole thing and showed everyone. But when I watched it back, when I slowed it down, I still think it's... A penalty. I I I don't agree with him on that. Even though uh, Kyle's the expert over here, but it's just interesting that he, he's really the only person that I've heard to really come out and say I didn't think it was uh, a penalty. What What are your thoughts on that? Because it's pretty universal. Besides that,
3: yeah, it's quite surprising because I I couldn't think of anything but this being a penalty. Um, I say I think it's perhaps slightly naive mistake to make, and yeah he's kind of been caught in two minds and that's why he's brought it down that way. But I mean, it it touched his arm.
1: It did. I (laughs) saw it down. It touches his bicep. I I got a, I got a (laughs) screenshot of it. So I can't say, I can't come on here and say it didn't because I have proof myself. I wanted to make sure. So I saw Yeah, it it did. So there's no coming back from that. I I have visual proof. So, so there you go on that. Yeah. It's real quick. Your thoughts on Mitro.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, uh, nice goal. I thought Lewis Dunk did a good job on him on Saturday. To be honest, Dunk is a good defender. Um, it was a penalty because if it's not a penalty, I'm going to be manager of Man United. <laughs> um, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a stonewall penalty, okay. and um, he can have a few complaints about that. But you know, Fountain, a youth, and all that. I'll give him, I'll give him a six. He, he worked hard, but it didn't get a lot of joy really. As I said, Dunk did a – I mean, he deserves a lot of credit for persistence in getting that goal, but Dunk, I thought, did a good job. Um were times when Mitchell was isolated and he had yep. to get a bit more support from them, so of the part. Um, but uh, – and then, of course, that was that penalty hash-up. But I'll give him a six.
1: Okay, excellent. All right, just to finish up, Scott, I'm just going to mention real quick, and then we're going to wrap up this show. You gave Ryan Sassanian a five, Stefan Johansson a four. Calm Chambers is six. If you just want to share a few words on the three substitutes, feel free to.
3: Yeah, I think for the most part, they had a fairly limited impact. Johansson um, kind of did his trademark troublesome antics a little bit and got that yellow card um, for not getting these right yards from the free kick, uh, which I think might have even actually led to the handball. Um, not that he gave the free kick away, but Sessignon. Got an opportunity, his movement, found him. Uh, he found his way into that box and obviously couldn't quite finish it off, which was disappointing, but he'd not been on the pitch very long. And Chambers, I thought, looked quite assured, though he's probably on the pitch five, ten minutes. Um, I thought he looked quite comfortable and confident. And what, I, if I remember right, he kind of went to a back three briefly for that. Um, so maybe that's something we'll see in the future.
1: Okay, very good. All right, Scott, thank you so much for doing this, for coming on Cottage Talk today. You have done an excellent job filling in for the uh, television star, Ryan O'Donovan. Just want to mention that one more time. i uh, big fan of Ryan's. I'm, I know, I'm just kidding him. but uh, And honestly, he did a very good job on uh, Promoted phone, so he, he deserves credit for that. But you've done a great job coming on today and going through your ratings and talking about your other articles. Because you've done an excellent job filling in for him, so thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Okay. Giannis, always a
2: pleasure talking to you. It's always a bloody pleasure.
1: All right. Let's wrap up this episode of Cottage Talk. For my guest, Scott Trotter, and my co-host, Giannis Janais, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double-dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.